Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired Women Gathering. This is a show that talks about all things from life, relationships, spirituality, business, and everything in between. Women inspire me through their stories, their resilience, resourcefulness, tenacity, and the powerful movement that we make. I love connecting and having deep conversations, sharing with you the women I am so blessed to know and who inspire me, especially as we navigate together through this deep unknowing in our world today. My name is Dixie Bennett. I'm your host, and then and I'm a soulful woman and wealth coach and healer, helping you live an abundant life. And I created this platform to highlight amazing women who I come across and connect with. I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. And so I'm super excited to introduce my next fabulous guest. She's very energetic and bubbly. Her name is Christy Jane, and her topic today is about bubbles, boxes, and breakthroughs. So Christy is a professional uh, corporate and fashion photographer and hairstylist. Um, who specializes in making people look great and feel amazing. She's the founder and creative force behind Super Corporate People that is re, re, is re, renowned, oh my gosh, <laughs> that is renowned for delivering good, really good people pictures to Calgary business leaders, corporations, publications, and entrepreneurs. Kirsty is also known for her warm but no bullshit approach to enable her clients to look at themselves objectively and remove the mental blocks that prevent them from taking the next step to achieve their greatest potential in their personal and professional lives. She runs workshops and courses on connection, relationships, and empowerment, speaks on these topics in YouTube, social media platforms, and her, her podcast, Bubbles, Boxes, and Breakthroughs, and is currently in the process of pulling all this together in a beautiful book. Christy's ultimate and deep felt mission is to help people uh, show people how to be better listeners as so that every human gets to feel heard, understood, and can express themselves safely without feeling judged. She says feeling misunderstood is the root cause of people not taking action in their lives, and it can be utterly devastating. We all just need to be feel loved, accepted for who we are, no matter what we choose. So thank you so much, Christy, for being here today. Hi. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So where in the world are you coming from today? Uh, I'm in Calgary, Canada. Mm -hmm. And so tell me a little bit about how you got started into what you, uh, being a hairdresser, and uh, I'll just say a little bit. So Kirsty has done my hair for photo shoots. Um, she's been a hairdresser off and on over the years, and I always enjoy our time together. So share with us a little bit about how you got started into, into the art of hairdressing, photography, and all that you offer. <laughs> uh, hair is probably one of the most recent things. That was something I got into about six years ago. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was just an add-on. So uh, I guess just try and do this really briefly. <laughs> so I've been in Canada for 19 years. Uh, I immigrated here from uh, London in the UK. Um, and I guess if I can just kind of like, I've done a lot of different things and they've all involved people because I'm hugely passionate about people and um, the uh, human behavior and so on like fascinates me. So uh, I spent a long time working in the restaurant and bar and coffee company industry uh, as a trainer, consultant, personal development. I used to run training courses and so forth. So I did, that was my main career in England, um, but I'm hugely artistic too. So it was one of those things where growing up I needed a stable career, but I also needed a creative outlet. And so one of my huge passions was photography. So I think since the age of about 16, I would say, uh, I've been shooting photos uh, and being in London 
Um, there was a lot of professional out of work actors, singers, dancers that all needed pictures for their portfolios, headshots, model agencies, that kind of thing. So I kind of ran, the, ran them side by side. So I had my day job that gave me all my security and was my career that I was building. And then because it was, um, you know, a very transient industry in, uh, you know, restaurants, bars, that kind of thing. And all these people were around, it was perfect because I could network with them all and uh, they all needed pictures. So by mm -hmm. sort of night and weekends and stuff, I would do photo shoots and I would work with model agencies uh, doing test shots for models. Um, and then by day I had my serious career. So they were always running alongside by side. Um, I really wanted to just do photography and let go of everything else. Uh, but I didn't have the knowledge and know-how of how to create my own business growing up. So um, it was just, you know, it was how can I be creative in my day job? So in what I was doing, that was where, you know, I was sort of teaching these like regular courses for corporate companies. Um, and I, I just thought it was bullshit, basically. The people that were coming onto the courses were, um, either didn't want to be there or they'd been sent by their manager or it, it was an attitude issue. And I realized this early on. I was like, you can keep running these things, but if it's not having an impact on people when they leave and they're not making a difference when they go back to their stores and so on then I can't do this job. It's like, it's just not fulfilling. So I started creating my own thing. I was really analyzing people and using the skills that I had in photography, because that's huge. You've got to create, you've got to bring people out of themselves. Uh, most people are terrified having a camera on them. Mm -hmm. Like, you know because you're like pinpointed right we always think of like oh my god we get really insecure so it's being able to take someone and very very quickly build trust and get them to pull the best side of themselves out for me so it's, it's almost like a movie director kind of thing um so because of that that i was always doing i realized that it was the same skill set that i needed in the business like in the business world um where you know the reason people don't perform is because they have deep set things going on and whether that's in their own personal psyche or whether it's, you know, they've got stuff going on at home or in their relationship or with their kids or their partners or whatever. And it's that that's performing their affecting their performance when they come into work. And then once you muddle that together and you've got other people that have got issues <laughs> in terms of like, you know, being, uh, you know, subordinate or be, you know, controlling everyone or whatever, all of that plays out on the workplace. So it was just very eye opening to see all of that. When I moved to Canada, I immigrated here. Um, the reason being I wanted to, you know, I got married and wanted to start a family and so on. Uh, the dream was really just to be able to have a place or live in a, a place um, that was where we could be affluent, you know, we could have a parent that could stay at home and look after kids uh, without worrying about money and so on, which is what we had in London. Um, and so from that, I uh, raised my two children, but I was going crazy, um, not working, <laughs> but I still wanted to be at home. So that was really when I thought, you know what, this is the perfect opportunity to really focus on photography because it was something that I'd always wanted to do. Uh, now I was in a place to do it. So my photography business grew here in Calgary. Um, and then uh, I guess just kind of adding to those things. So I was also a trained makeup artist. So that was part of my skill set. Um, and then uh, I wanted to add, 
the, the way to make money here in photography, see Calgary is a very different place to London. Mm -hmm. <laughs> London was kind of like media central, right? It was creative, yeah. there was advertising agencies, there was magazines, there was models, there was all of this stuff, it was very creative. And I came to Calgary and 19 years ago, it was literally just oil and gas and uh, not very exciting for anything else. So when I first started my photography business, it was mainly doing people's pets and children and babies and <laughs> weddings and things. And that was great to get me out there and network, but uh, I was getting really frustrated that it wasn't kind of like dynamic. I was in the wrong city for that. So um, I thought, okay, uh, that's not working. So at least I can make some money. How can, you know, where's the money? Well, the money was in corporate. And, uh, and when I looked at the, the kind of uh, marketing that was going on here in Calgary, it was, it was early days, people would barely have websites. And I knew it was gonna go that way uh, because the rest of the world uh, had already gone that way, but Calgary just quite wasn't there yet. And I just thought, you know what? Um, I'm gonna apply all my skills I had from the past. So all the creative stuff, all the dynamic stuff, how can I make this help businesses? And so what I realized was, was that um, you know every business was trying to make money, but they really didn't know how to promote themselves in a way that really connected with the audience and made them stand out. So that was my niche in photography. It was, I know corporate, because I've worked in corporate, mm -hmm. so I can connect and relate. I also know um, what's kind of attention grabbing and dynamic, so I incorporated that into my look. So it was really a case of taking uh, somebody's business and saying, what is it that you're trying to promote? Who do you, who's your target audience? Who do you want to connect to? What's the image you're trying to portray? You know, what kind of business are you after? And tying all of that into coming up with images of their business and themselves and their people so that they could connect better uh, with their audiences. And so I guess, you know, uh, there are lots of photographers here in Calgary, but I think people know that it's, um, they see my pictures and they know that it's something I've done. Mm -hmm. Just, I think it's just got a little edge. It's kind of more fun and, and funky and kind of, I don't know, it grabs your attention for some reason and, and people know that that's my thing. So mm. that's kind of where it was. And hairdressing was just adding a skill into that. It was adding in, you know, doing boudoir and uh, more fashion focused things as Calgary has evolved. We are getting there <laughs> slowly, yeah. uh, but it just added more fun for me. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, hair of photography, best of both worlds. And then I still have all this personal development stuff that I've been doing my whole life. And uh, yeah, that's, that's become a bigger thing now too. So. So I love that. Well, it sounds like you've been on the edge, right? And I think that's where one of the things I love about world travel is you get to experience and see things, and especially London. Like, I know it's always been kind of a mecca for, you know, media, advertising, big ideas, thinking outside the box, being creative. Um, so being able to bring that, bring that here and just watching and seeing the industry as it's grown, because I, I, my background's in marketing too, and just seeing the energy has shifted in a massive way in the last, you know, even, I would say even 10 years. Um, mm. There's been definitely a bigger change, especially um, small business, uh, media, advertising um, for small businesses, you know, doing different art, website design, even just in the last five years, website design has totally taken off in a different way as well. Um, totally, yeah. I mean, what, it's interesting you say that because I, the biggest difference that I noticed, so not, yeah, 19 years ago, like when I first came here, 
Oh, it, it felt was like desolate. I'm sure it was like, it, was like oh, it, it felt like England in the 1950s, like my grandparents' era, you know, where people just didn't, you know, they didn't lock their uh, their houses or their cars, and you know, everyone was friends with everyone. It felt, I honestly, I remember, I remember saying this to friends when I got here and going, oh my god, I don't know what I've done. This is like Stepford Wives. Like I'm being invited to like, you know. <laughs> Um, quilting parties and baking nights and I was like I don't understand I'd, I'd never experienced this before it was really bizarre <laughs> um, and it was just it's interesting I think the biggest thing I've noticed here and I, I've got a lot of friends that are from Europe over here and it's like I think because it's so busy and there's so much competition and it's so multicultural over there uh, it's a big melting pot and if you don't work hard and you don't do things quick enough and you don't, there's a there's hundred people willing to step into your shoes mm -hmm. if you don't. Mm -hmm. So you return phone calls quicker. You're more astute. You want to have a leading edge on everyone else all the time. It's very competitive. Mm -hmm. Whereas here it was very calm and laissez faire and sure, I'll give you a call next week and it would be next week. You know, it was just, mm -hmm. I was like, what was wrong with everyone? But it was, it was one of the reasons I came because I'd been burned out over there. I was so like, just go, go, go the whole time. And to come here and just have this calm. I mean, it was perfect for, you know, raising a family. I wanted, I didn't want the stress. Um, mm -hmm. But once I got back into the workplace, I was like, okay, we really need to start stepping things up because as people, you know, people um, emigrate here, there's more immigrants and, you know, it's more multicultural and it's going the same way, but it's probably mm -hmm. a good 50 years behind. Um, I think it's it's fun. It's fun to have all of these different different things, um, but it is a very different mentality. Very different. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think too, I love that you have such multi multifaceted um, skill sets to be able to bring to the table when you work with people. So when you work with people, how do you like? How do you? You talked about personal development. You talked about doing photography and then adding hairdressing, makeup. You've got a lot of different tools to add. So, and, and for me personally, I've only ever come in on the hairdressing side, so I know that. But I do know your photos. I, I know quite a few of my clients and friends have actually had your photos. You've been on my list to get photos done. Mm -hmm. um, but where do people just come in and like, how do you connect with them? How do you know? how to work with them do they go through a program with you or like what do you do for them um most people come to me through referral um i've really never never advertised only like you know through my own social media sort of facebook instagram that kind of thing but it's always been through referral um and the thing that i keep hearing over and over again and it, you have to understand this was never conscious like i never consciously chose to be this way or i didn't you know i'm self-trained self-learned i never went to school to do photography i just followed my passion and um one of my one of my deep-rooted things in me in whoever i meet it doesn't matter about photography just in general is um I want to, I, I can, I can read people very, very quickly. Um, and I think as the years have gone by, I've started to understand that there is something else at work here. I just thought I was a bit weird. <laughs> I didn't really <laughs> understand what was going on. But after a while, people keep telling you the same thing over and over again. I was like, what is this? There must be something to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was probably about four or five years ago. I started to realize that 
you know, I was like, I'm not the best photographer in the world. Like people can recognize my images, but not because I'm technically brilliant. You know, I'm not like the best at anything, but it's how apparently I make people feel. And I noticed that the things started to happen with doing hairdressing as well. Uh, I'm not the most, you know, I'm not the best hairdresser in the world either. There's millions of people way better than I am. Uh, I can do a good job and I love what I do, but they're not here for the hair. It's like, and I was like, what is it? And people kept saying to me, it's just how you make me feel. And I think what it is, is I have this innate sense to, um, I want to make people like, I want them to see themselves in the way that I see them because I'm probably one of the most self-conscious people there are <laughs> and self-aware as well. I've worked hard on all of that. But um, like I said, in general, like if, if you were, I noticed being in corporate that there was these, you know, you'd have these big corp, big wigs kind of thing that would throw their weight around that, you know, people were terrified of and so on and so on. And, uh, and I remember that one day I, th there was somebody that I was really scared of and um, like a big, boss or whatever and uh, one day I was in a in a bar and kind of had a few drinks <laughs> gone to the washroom you know what women are like in the washroom when you've had a few <laughs> and I came out and I'm kind of like sloshing around and this uh woman came out and uh, she like hit the wall as she walked out and I looked at her and I suddenly realized that she was like this big big boss that <laughs> I was terrified of her work. I was like, oh my God. I was like dying. It was a really surreal moment. And she's like, oh, hi. She didn't even know who I was. <laughs> she was like, all oh, you know, being really stupid and everything. And I said, you do realize that, you know, because we've got chatting and I told her where I worked. And she's like, I said, I know who you are. She didn't know who I was. I just thought this was like hilarious. And so, you know, when people are saying like, you know, they, if you're terrified of public speaking, imagine everybody's naked because you right. really think of the most stupid thing you can. And it was exactly that kind of moment. It's like, I just watched the person I'm terrified of drunk in a toilet and come out. And, <laughs> and it just like, it took away all the fear and everything. And I was like, oh my God, we are all just human. Like she's not in her environment and outside of her environment. She's just like me, you know? And it was just a real, this was so long ago, but it was just a real wake up call for me uh, in terms of we are all human. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter how confident we look or how we're perceived or how successful people think we are. We are all terrified of something. Like we all have insecurities. And, uh, and I started to recognize that in everybody that I met. And I think, uh, you know, when I'm about to take someone's picture, sometimes if I've only got five minutes with them or an hour, it really doesn't matter. But people are terrified of their, of, 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 they want to put the best foot forward. Right. And even if they are, really pleased with the way they look even if they really like themselves um when it comes to having a picture taken um the thing that's different is when you look in a mirror you're in control of that right you're looking in the mirror and you're seeing what's reflecting back mm -hmm. and as you're kind of turning you know you get yourself ready yeah. to go out but you, you want to see you see how you think you want to see it right you just did it right there right. you literally yeah. went how you want to see <laughs> You do this thing, right? Where you're like, so, hello. Yeah, you do all this stuff, right? In the mirror, and then you go out, <laughs> and um, and you think you look amazing. And then you see these pictures that people tag you in afterwards, and you're like, what the hell was oh I thinking? <laughs> Especially, yeah, I, I've had that so many times. I'm like, oh my God. And it's like, it's so embarrassing, because when someone's pointing a camera, you don't look at the camera with the same confidence that you look at yourself in the mirror. 
So I realized that as a photographer, I'm your mirror and I have to reflect back exactly what you're seeing. So it's a lot of psychology involved. Um, like I, I never knew all of this. I never set out to it. It's just that since I've been working in all these things, I've like broken it all down and gone, why is, why does this work? Why do people say that? Why do they feel that? What is it that I do? And I broke it all down and I have to be your mirror. So you know, constant, it's feedback. I have to give you constant feedback. I have to constantly show you what we're doing. And first thing I'll do is, you know, we'll take a few pictures. I'll show you what we've done. I'm like, tell me what you like and what you don't like. And the first thing you'll do is like, oh, I don't like that. And it's like, why? Because you can see my bald spot, my big nose, my muffin top, yeah. my arms look fat, whatever it is, right? It's like, okay, so I got you. I, I know that's something you're conscious of. It's not a judgment, but now I know that. I will look out for that. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to shoot from this angle because that will elongate this or it'll make that bigger or it'll hide that or whatever. And because they know I've got their back, now they're becoming more confident because they can relax. And it's like, oh, she's got me here. Like she's not going to make me look hideous, you know? So that's a huge part of it. That's and then cute. in that, yeah. yeah, I know what, well, some of my, I mean, I've had lots of different photographers over the years and some of them not. I haven't enjoyed the experience because it's they just take the photos, boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 and you kind of get a list of what was taken. And then I've had other ones where who give me a little bit of feedback, and and I do find the best photos are the ones that I have a good relationship with with the photographer, where they actually talk to me. They're talk. They're allowing me to bring out my inner self, right, and yeah. be a little bit more relaxed because I do find I'm like, oh my god, even the video. I mean, I, I'm getting better over the years. Um, but it's just that, it's that comfortableness, right? It's like you're having this camera pointed at you and it's just capturing an image that maybe you might not identify with. Because like right. you said about see, how you see yourself in the mirror and what you see and how other people or how the photographer would, would pull that out in you. That's a gift. It truly is. It's, it's feedback. It's, and, and without feedback, we're not, like think about it, it's, it's in everything we do, right? So it's in relationships. Like when you speak to someone, what do they do? Do they listen and hear you and there's space? Or do they react right. to everything you say and they're always triggered? Right. Or do they respond to you? It's the same thing. I mean, it's like when you're doing, um, like a, I use this example when we were chatting earlier about Facebook Live, you know, you're on camera, <laughs> you're talking to all the people in the world, but yeah. no one's responding. There's no conversation. So you don't even know if anyone's listening. You can't right. even see yourself in a monitor. Yeah. So one step up from that is what we're doing right now. We're engaging, there's two of us. So you know, if you ask me a question that makes no sense, I'm not gonna be able to answer it. Right. If you say something and I can't stop talking, I mean, Makes you feel good. You were, you know, you asked a good question. You got me going. So it gets you going, and da, 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 you know, is the rapport. So I think we're always trying to create rapport in really good relationships. Like that's what creates connection. And when people feel connected, inherently as the human race, I mean, we're sentient beings. We all want to feel connected. We want to feel firstly connected with ourselves, and then we want to feel connected with others. And if we don't create that as a step by step in anything that we do that's new, there's always a missing link and it doesn't feel right. So if you apply that to any job, so as a makeup artist, as a hairstylist, or as a photographer, 
I've got to, con I've got to get you to connect with yourself first, like get you to have the confidence. Then I'm going to get you to connect with me. So you trust me. And then we're going to have rapport and we're going to play. And so that's when you get to be yourself and forget about your act or trying to show off or trying to be something you're not. And I'll call you out and you get to be yourself. And then there's the picture and the comment I get more than anything is you really captured the sort of essence of this person. Um, that's what I keep hearing. So I think that is probably the underlying thing. And you, that's not something you learn when you go to school or whatever. It's all about lighting. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how does the personal development part feed into this? Um, it's just evolved. It's, um, so it was a previous career that I used that, you know, you learn a toolkit, you just kind of implement it into everything you do. And what so was your, so what was your previous, um, your previous job that was working with personal development? Uh, so that was back in London. Um, oh. So I was working with, uh, in the restaurant and bar industry. Oh, right. sorry. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was like, I was like, actually, what were you doing? Sorry, I didn't. I missed <laughs> a lot, I know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. So what would you, how would you identify yourself then now? <laughs> An alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you've had these conversations. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I hate this question. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just fluid, and I'm passionate about just helping people, you know, be the best they can be from the inside out. And sometimes that is a visual thing. That's why it's hair or photography. Sometimes it's about who they're being um, and who they want to be. And it can be that, you see, my hair clients have become photography clients because I trust, they trusted me with their hair and their image and how I make them feel. So it's like, oh, you know, I, I've, I've always hated having my pictures taken. Like, I think I trust you. Could you do that? It feeds into it. And it's the same with as a photographer because obviously, you know, I'm primping around and making sure they look and they're like, God, your attention to detail. I'm like, it's okay, I'm a hairdresser, that's why. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that. And then because they trust me with their pictures, now they assume I'm a brilliant hairdresser. So they feed in. And then in these situations, if someone's sitting there having their hair done for three hours, we're talking about a lot of stuff. And in that, it's kind of, I guess it feels like therapy because they're sharing. Um, and, and I could just use my old skills, you know, from doing, uh, helping people through stuff in the workplace and, uh, personal development and, and learning to communicate that feeds into it too. So more and more, I'm realizing that, you know, I think we know where our passions are because they're the things that we would, we would do for free. Mm -hmm. uh, the things that we could just spend so much time and energy on and never tire of. And it's like, Oh, and then when people start telling you, that you have a, a you know a gift for that. It's like maybe I should consider doing something with that, and and that has been coming along for a long time. Um, and part of uh, part of what I, I work, uh, I contract with the salon like one day a week, uh, mm -hmm. not doing hair, but working with their management team, their development. Oh, okay. That's and awesome. So and so that's been a really perfect resource for me because as we're trying to make changes with the staff and helping them through things. Um, it's allowed me to be able to run courses and workshops with them and with the management team to kind of move them forwards. So that's been a really good outlet for me to kind of like fine tune some of these things. And I'm at the point now, and especially with the situation we're in now, obviously now I can't cut hair. I can't take photos. So, um, you know, I was kind of redundant and I was like, I need to push this through and, and get some stuff online and start working more online where I can really help educate people how to connect and communicate with themselves and others 
uh, in order to sort of create these breakthroughs that just push, you know, people through whatever it is that they're trying to do. So that's kind of where that's going now. Yeah, I love it. It's just more organic. So, and you just seem to answer, kind of follow in alignment with whatever feels good in the moment. Honestly, guided. Well, that and I like what I said earlier about you know in Europe, I think you you learn to be flexible. It's like yeah. here a lot of people had they got their job for life or they came out of college and got into a family business or, you know, Alberta is very, uh, it was very affluent, you know, I know there's been troubles now with the whole mm -hmm. you know, oil and gas industry, but you know, people weren't used to moving around and doing different things. It's kind of like a set thing. You go to university, you get this job and, and it was hard for people to, um, you know, I know that a lot of, you know, shops and cafes and restaurants were finding it really hard to recruit staff because a lot of teenagers didn't even want to work. They didn't have to because they were well supported by their parents and so on. And to me, I was like, oh, that's really entitled. Like everybody works. Like you coming from somewhere where it's so busy and changeable, you learn to float. Like you don't assume that you're going to be in something for a long time. You're more open to change. Mm -hmm. and to keep jumping um and so you know if you looked at my resume when i was younger in that corporate world i was in i think the longest i was ever in a job for was about six years and then after that it would be like one year two years yeah. one year maybe three mm -hmm. uh and and i guess coming here that would look like i jumped around a lot but to me it was like no i learned a lot i got a lot of experience and and i don't fear change i just don't so i try and be the thing that's kind of floating on the surface rather than you know sinking yeah. down to the bottom that's so interesting because, you know, as you mentioned that about looking at the resume, mine was very much the same. I had an really? eight-year career and then I yeah. changed and then I went into, you know, oil and gas. I worked in oil and gas for right. about 10 years, but each company I worked at was about two years, a year and a half, three years, and just mm -hmm. kind of all over the place. And then, I mean, I've been in my business now just 10 years, um, but even still it's changed and it's been very fluid. Um, yeah adding in different things and but I mean the business name has been pretty constant but then just adding in different tools different modalities different things um and coming into especially this this time in the world of being adaptable to change it sounds like it's serving you very well yeah I, I think so and I'd like I I think you I I've always said this the most flexible person wins like mm -hmm. if you get you know the world is always evolving like everything yeah. is changing all the time and, and I get that back in the olden days or whatever, you know, <laughs> our parents era, you know, it was a job for life, a gold watch, a handshake, you got married, you had 2.2 kids, you had a white picket fence. It was just the way it was laid out to you. But that was like after the war, right? It's a great, huge periods of instability. And so everybody needed stability. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that now it's, uh, it's, it's different to that. There is, there is you know, we, we balance between certainty and uncertainty mm -hmm. and we go from one extreme to the other and it's about bobbing around and finding that. And I think mm -hmm. if you're not open, if you don't like look at what's around you and learn, like there's, there's, there's always so much possibility. Like this is mm -hmm. never a dead end. Like anything that happens to you, um, it's very easy to get down about it. But when you get out of that and have, get rid of your sulk, you can go, right, Mm -hmm. what's possible here like what what can i you know look at what, what could be possible you cop so many options and then it's your choice to do any of those and and you can always gather the skills to do one of those if you've never done that before i mean i've always believed that if you you if you really really want something bad enough you can absolutely have it if okay. you're willing to go to the lengths that it takes to have it mm -hmm. the question is are you willing 
I if know. I want to be an astronaut, you know, I, I don't know if there's an age limit. Maybe I'm just too old. And that's the end of it. No, there's, I, as far as I'm concerned, there's absolutely no age limit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can. I mean, it's just like, you know, I did this exercise with my kids. It's like wherever you're sitting right now and you're looking around, you know, and you just think to yourself, all the things you take for granted. So right now, you know, I'm, I'm looking on my desk, which is a pigsty right now, it's about 50,000 things on it. <laughs> but it's like, I can pick up anything, right? I'm gonna give you two objects. Mm -hmm. It's like, what do I know about these two things? Like this is a, a yellow Sharpie, and this is a, like a massage ball thing that you just mm -hmm. prod around. Like, what did it take for this thing to come into existence? Like who, you know, first of all, you know, there's the production line, where it was sold, how it got there, who produced it, who made it, who invented it? Where's the chemicals come from that form the plastic? How did they get the type on it? And you could sit here for about two hours researching the origin of a Sharpie. I could spend another two hours researching this. And if I look at all the things there are, there is so much knowledge and so much to be known and figured out. It's just that we just take it for granted and we don't see it. Mm -hmm. So there is always possibility absolutely everywhere. It's just, what do you want to do? What turns you on and, and what gets you going? You know, what, what do you want to focus on? And so often we just shut down and go, well, I lost my job. That's it. I'm a failure. I might as well kill myself because nobody wants me. I've seen that with a lot of people. I've seen that with business, uh, some business owners that I know, especially they're like, oh, well, my business is closed. Now what? You know, and they've gone into that pity sulk and life is over as I know it. Um, I mean, I went in the day that I had to lock, close my business and put my key in the door and walk away. Like I was sad. You know, I was yeah. really sad because I, I don't know when I'm going to be able to go back. You know, I, I, st I do have brick and mortar, right? Some people do, some people don't. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, there's a, a process of letting go. But also I feel very hopeful and I feel very excited um, about the possibilities of, you know, as, as I've been sitting with my business too. It's like, well, where do I want to go and what do I want to do? There's lots of opportunities and possibility. And it's a time for dreaming. But also with you, you are very self-aware. So you don't let one thing define your whole being. It's like you're made of many, many parts. So if one part gets lost, you still have so many other parts that you can rely on. I think that's what people do. You know, when they're like, well, I've got my lifelong oil and gas job and they define that. And that means I can have another house and I can have all the toys and I can do this, this and this. And suddenly the job's gone. They've got nothing else. Like they've never focused on their relationships. They've mm -hmm. never focused on what drives them or they've never focused on their kids or whatever. Or even suddenly, having a passion. A lot of them just don't even have a secondary passion or they have a seasonal pas passion, but it totally. doesn't serve them throughout the year. Um, yeah. And I know, I think a lot of people are suffering in that way. So what, so what would you advise for people who are suffering? right now what might be something to get them going in terms of just sparking their inspiration or thinking outside the box i think one question i, I would ask someone is when you were a kid mm. what did you what was the one thing you did that you would lose all sense of time I think kids are so creative. Like you can give a kid a, a, a box, a cardboard box. Uh, you could lock a kid. I think of the Harry Potter stories, you know, he's this kid that's locked under the stairs <laughs> by his horrible parents. Um, and kids have this ability to go into their mind. It's like they're not, um, 
what's the word they're not controlled or shut down by what's around them like then the physical things like they go into their minds like they're super creative um and uh that's where survival is it's it's um it nobody can control your mind you're the only one that can you're the only one who's in charge of that in charge of your thoughts so you know if the physical stuff around you which is a product of your thoughts ultimately um but if you don't like it then get into your head and think about what it is that inspires you and i know a lot of people are like oh, i don't know i just nothing inspires me it's like well, what did you how did you spend your time as a kid mm -hmm. i used to i was an only child um, and I think I used to drive my parents insane because I was always bored. It was like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I remember my dad bought me this big book and it said, what can I do today? And it had like a billion crafts in it. And I made a billion crafts and like <laughs> filled the house up with them and drove everyone insane. But one of the things I would do is write. Um, like my dad would be like, go write, go write a story, go write an adventure. And he'd give me a topic or some things. And it was kind of improv. Now I think I never thought about that before. That is so cool. Um, well, that was yeah, my it was like, question I was going to say. So what, what did you do when you were a kid? <laughs> you know, okay, here's a frog and a bull and a pen. Go write a story. You know? And it was like, okay, I've got this. And, and I can do that now. I have a recorder. I can play that. <laughs> Here it is. Uh, no, I won't. Facebook Live. No, back to what I was talking about. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's finding what inspired you. And I would write. So guess what's happened now is I've come full circle and I realize that, you know, I'm always thinking, always, always, always. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, you should, you should write a book. You should write stuff because, you know, it's interesting to see your view on the world. And, um, and that's what I'm doing. I'm writing right now. So, you know, I don't know if that will be my ultimate thing and where I'll end up, but it's definitely something that, um, you know, interests me. And I, and I can't do it all the time. I'm not always inspired, but because I've got that on my mind now, it's like every time something happens during the day, or I have a thought or a conversation or a text message with someone and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I start playing it out in my head thinking, because I'm an overthinker. But then I'm like, no, write it down, write it down. So yeah, there's this like, um, it's kind of coming together. And I think it's understanding like what using your, you know, I had a very toxic childhood and uh, it was like, I just couldn't get my head around like, why would someone do this? <laughs> why would, why would someone I'm supposed to be raised by do this, you know? And it was just this question I could never get answered. And I think that has been my deep search my whole life is why do people do what they do? Why do people lie? Why don't people do what they say they're going to do? And so it became so fascinating to me because it just kept showing up wherever I went in everything. And so I've just always been fascinated. And I think now what I've really realized is that, you know, I got quiet for a couple of years. Uh, I was in a, horror, a very toxic relationship and it was just two years of like, I'm out. I just need to just, I, I went into a very deep, dark place. I was very depressed and just couldn't fun function and so on. But in that stillness, in that quietness, I realized some strange things started to happen it was like i'm starting to hear things <laughs> you know and, uh, and i was like oh my god this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me and i couldn't make sense of it and i thought i was going crazy and you know all these things happened but mm -hmm. i realized that because i finally stopped and just allowed that i was just flooded with stuff and um i was like the all the things i've ever done here i was thinking i was this person that jumped from job you know i can never finish anything or i just kept jumping from job to job like we were saying earlier i always was told that was a bad thing oh you can't stick at anything or oh you're supposed to be in a job for a long time and i was always told what i should and shouldn't be 
but I didn't have the courage to turn around and say, that's bullshit. This is what I think because I didn't have the self-confidence. I didn't realize that we're all allowed to be who we are. I was trying to please everyone. I was a people pleaser. So in that quietness, I realized, you know what? This has all been a vehicle. Like everything I have done has been so valuable. I've learned from it. And what it has done is it's allowed me to work intimately with people and to view them and to view what they think and to view their thoughts. And now it's all come around full circle. And I realized that these vehicles have been creative outlets for me, mm -hmm. but they've also given me this huge insight into many different people mm -hmm. in all different industries and scales yeah. and so on. And, and it's made me realize that we're all just the same, that everyone is searching, everyone is seeking, everybody has insecurities, and deep down, we all just want to be accepted. We all want to be loved. We're all afraid of judgment. We want to be heard. And the biggest, biggest barrier to moving forwards and doing anything in your life is having that fear of being misunderstood which is what I experienced as a kid. And so it's taken me all this time to come to this place where I want to be that person that can help people feel understood. And so well, that's that the journey. Now... I think we all go through that, right? We all come right. from hardships and relationships and growing yeah. up in, the, in, you know, the challenges that we have so we can become the person that we're supposed to be and then take people through that, you know, and then we turn around and extend a hand and say, come with me. I know the path. Would you like right. to come? <laughs> <laughs> you just want to be that person that you so desperately needed yeah. when you were young, right? Absolutely. I think that's a big part of it is the, well, I call it the unraveling, right? It's we, mm. we become who we think we need to become. And then we spend a lot of time unraveling all the things that we were doing and all the ways and things that we thought we were supposed to be doing. Yeah. And then unravel and become the person that we're meant to be. Well, and I think that's what this is going on right now. This is like a, a global consciousness, like, you know, the metaphor for it, you know, when we want to learn something, like you said, you have to go inside and do the work. Yeah. and undo, unpack everything right so that you can decide what you're going to take with you now and what you're going to let go of and we've all been forced inside like literally into our homes <laughs> now we're all having to face ourselves uh, and face each other and realize what's important and what isn't so i do think that when all of this this whole coronavirus palaver goes back to normal it won't be normal it's going to be a whole new place yeah, because i really be hope so and we need it i believe that we need we need things need to be different they need to be done different and I just hope that people are doing, having the opportunity to spend the time. Um, you know, I keep call, it's, I'm calling it the global still point. I'm calling it the coming home to yourself. You know, mm -hmm. it's really about, you know, and spending time in your home. We're always going outside, looking outside of ourselves. And it's an opportunity to really come back and sit, sit inward with ourselves um, in a reflective work. And, and I think too, sometimes it's the, everyone's so busy like you said before you know um even before we got on the call you're like i just wanted the world to stop right and i've heard that from so many people that life is going too fast our kids everybody there's not enough time to think in a moment everyone's rushing and running to the next thing and yeah. you know here we are in this opportunity to really connect in so it's just like you know the quiet the quietude, the quietness, and to reset ourselves or to redesign and come out even stronger in programs, or offerings, or directives, like where do we want to go? What do we want to do? What do we want to create? Um, I think I'm seeing it already in, in conversations I'm having with people. It's like, yeah, I'm writing a book. I've been putting this part off. I am, I'm creating this. Um, yeah, anything else you want to add to that? 
No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the fact is though that people are, people are facing yourself is really hard mm -hmm. because I think you spend your whole life running away from the things that scare you and whether that's because you're numbing in Distracted. your, yeah, we've yeah, just keeping busy, but people that are really suffering at the moment and it's funny actually now I'm, I'm, I'm connecting all the dots. <laughs> the people that I struggle with the most, or that's not the right word. I don't really struggle with them. People struggle with themselves. I think I would say like even like as basic as a hair client or a photography client, my worst nightmare people are the people that present as being so physically beautiful and put together and successful. They are the worst candidates to do their hair for or to take photos because I'm putting the spotlight on them. We're micro -fo focusing on them and they're trying so desperately to look perfect. And it's like, I don't need to look perfect. Like that's, we're, work we're working on something together here mm. because they don't, they think they've got it. The reason they look like they have it all together is because they're so desperate because everything inside isn't great. So they're putting on this thing to show, look at me, I'm so successful. I look so great. I'm all of these things, but they don't know how to be authentic and just be genuine. They can't relax. Like they just can't truly be who they are. Mm. So I have learned that for years it's never changed I can guarantee you if you produced a group of 10 people I could instantly go that one that one that one they'll be the nightmares move them over there <laughs> right we're gonna work with these people because I know I'm gonna need a much longer time with these ones because they're gonna they can't let go they don't know how to let go um, and that's the struggle I know that that's where the work is and I think the biggest thing in all of this is we don't know how to let go. We're trapped on the hamster wheel of what people think of us because we just want to be accepted. We don't want to be judged. We don't want to be misunderstood. I think if you're open to just letting go and going, you know what, whatever happens, happens. If I'm up, then I'm sorry if I'm swearing, but you know, if I do, I do. And uh, it's okay because there is no right and wrong. It's just a case of everything just is um and and it's fine like what, what we'll get figured out we'll get figured out and you know you cannot learn without screwing up that's how we learn um mm. so i think this is a big learning time for everybody people are going to have it hard the one like i said the ones that i think are really struggling right now uh are the ones that have these um really you know they're freaking out about their hair i'm like doesn't matter you're at home no one can see you anyway um, <laughs> but they're the ones that are immaculately pristinely kept normally you know because that's yeah, that's the, the truth part. well and this is the time of unveiling the masks right it's really the totally, opportunity yeah get raw get real get vulnerable and just strip it all back <laughs> yeah you're so right um, so tell me, is there anyone who you've, who's mentored you or helped you along the way? <laughs> I, I really wish I could say yes. Um, I gotta say no. <laughs> and the reason is, is that's all I've been searching for my whole life is like, who can help me? Like who can teach me? And it's like, it never happened. Like I never had that stability. I never had the one person that I felt would do that. And I think what it did was made me resourceful. So I've read lots. I've watched a lot. Like I am just, I just want to learn all the time. I'm just like this sponge. So I wouldn't say that there is one person. No, not at all. Um, it's been an amalgamation of, I learn from everyone. Like every single person I meet, I always learn something from them because even if, even if they've had like much less experiences than I have, they have a different take. Even if all they do is the same thing every day and it's like, oh yeah, I've done that 50,000 times. They have a different viewpoint to me. Mm -hmm. So for me, it, it, it's just, 
intrinsic in everybody. I learn from everybody I meet. So no, there hasn't really been one mm-hmm. person. No, I think that's great. Sometimes and some people do have that one person yeah. that stood out and turned their life around. I've had many mentors, coaches, spiritual books. I've had, mm-hmm. you know, there's never, I've, I guess I like that your term about resourcefulness. I've always been resourcefulness is resourceful and I always trust that what I need to learn the teacher the person comes and delivers it in that moment did you always know that though since you were a kid or is that just like as you've Um, grown I think as I well when I was when I was younger I mean I I didn't have a lot of role models in my life that really supported me um I didn't have that teacher who like looked out for me or you know that person who was my advocate um and I I was very lost as a younger child for sure and I think but I always wanted like I knew (laughs) it sounds so silly saying it out loud um I always knew I was going to be famous I knew when I was young like I just I always knew I was going to be famous but I I didn't grow up with like we didn't have magazines. I didn't, you know, all my friends did. I'd go to their house. I'd be like, "What's this cosmopolitan?" And like, I <laughs> you know. And I, it took me forever just to go through one. But I read a lot as a kid, so I I disappeared into stories, and I learned a lot from you know a lot of the characters that I read about, and I devoured books. Like I'd read series after series after series, and and I was a farm kid, so. I rode the school bus an hour to school and home and I would devour books. Like I'd be in the library like every two days, probably getting out new books and then I'd read till midnight as well. Um, but I always, I always ask, I'm like, I want a mentor, like bring me my mentor. Mm-hmm. And I never, I always looked to people to maybe be my mentor, but I just, I just took it as learning opportunities. And I'm like, what, what can I um, I guess part of survival too, because I knew I was on my own at a young age, like 17. I've been on my own since 17 and just looking at different ways of growing, um, looking at how people were living their life. And I knew I didn't want to live a certain way. I was presented with lots of opportunities, but I also wasn't, I was still seeking for the opportunity of what was success. Like, what did that look like? What did that mean to me? And when I got into my corporate career, I actually got a mentor, you know, so I, I wasn't, um, I claimed him as a mentor, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and he very much was like, he helped me grow on so many levels. He introduced different ways of thinking, um, you know, how to negotiate, how to do sales from a different perspective. He gave me a lot of freedom, um, and, you know, called me out when I was being an ass too, you know, and that was perfect, you know, and I just, you know, he really helped my corporate career in a big way. And then just, you know, as a spiritual awakenings, I've had spiritual teachers, I've had the right person at the right moment who just opened the door for me, you know, and then it's kind of what you do with that information is do you, do you take it and run with it or do you kind of run away from it? And I've had both of those experiences too. Mm-hmm. So you know, just being at a younger age, I was always asking why. And I, as when I was younger, I was like, why? I just want life to be over. <laughs> you know, like I just, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't really know that there was a plan. Um, and I didn't really have a lot of people in my life that were showing me that there was a plan or that there could be more either. So I just kind of was stumbling. I stumbled <laughs> a lot. 
same completely yeah. the same yeah mm -hmm. but i think what society was showing me um was not how it's weird you said that thing about you knew you were going to be famous i you're making me think now because i had that feeling too and i used to feel bad about it it was like it was almost like a knowing it was a, a feeling i can't explain it um mm -hmm. and it wasn't when i think about it now and try and quantify that what that is i have come to realize that it's about my capacity for energy like I can be, I can have a huge energy. And I think that's, it goes out in and out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I hugely sad. I didn't, all the things that I thought were a detriment to me because it was like, you know, <laughs> the Sesame Street thing, one of these things is not like the others. <laughs> I felt like that was me. <laughs> it was like, why am I so weird? Like, why, why do I feel, I mean, it's not like I was bullied or anything, but it was like, I just felt like I had this innate sense of knowing, like I didn't feel that the answers I got were satisfactory because people were just following that pattern. I guess the only way I can look at it is like red pill and blue pill. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was this red pill kid living in a, in a, in a blue pill world mm -hmm. I guess and that. I just knew it didn't make sense and I didn't fit, but there was nothing to quantify why. And so it just made me feel weird. Like I didn't have anyone in my life that was like that. There was no one you could go to and talk about it. There was nothing talked about in books. Like I had experiences that I couldn't make sense of that I wasn't scared, but if I was to talk about them, they would sound really scary mm -hmm. and I didn't want to look crazy. So I didn't. And so as time has gone on now, I'm in a place where I embrace all of it. I love it, but it's mm -hmm. taken, I literally went through a period of a couple of years of thinking I was completely crazy. I went to every single person I could to find a mentor or, or someone inspirational that knew more than I did. Mm -hmm. And I just was going through the, you know, I went to business coaches. I went to a meditation coach. I went to psychics. Mm -hmm. I went to a psychiatrist. I went to psychologists. I went to um, counseling and therapy. I mean, I did everything. I was like, What's wrong with me you know i'm hearing things i'm feeling things like everyone thinks i'm crazy you know i'm over the top and it was all about my childhood and everything and i and it was like everyone i spoke to could offer a, oh here's a you know um here's a strategy to help you manage that feeling or whatever i'm like i don't care i just want to know what this is <laughs> what is wrong with me mm -hmm. and i realize now when i think about all of that I had that as a kid. I already knew and I wasn't afraid of it. It's just that as my life unfolded and I stumbled through it, like you said, <laughs> I'm finally at that point where I'm like, I know what this is now. And I know I don't want anyone to spend 48 years going through what I went through. Like if I can shortcut that and help them cut through it really quickly. And there's so many people on this earth now that are, you know, awakening to all of this, you know, and, and my kids too, I see it in my kids and they've been my, they've probably been my biggest inspiration. Now you come to think of it. They've taught me so much. Uh, and I realized that I have to be there. Like if, if my biggest goal in life is anything, it's to be a guide for them because they're way ahead of me. Like they are so aware and they don't even know what they're aware of. And it's just to guide them to make that jump quicker, like a quantum leap so that they don't spend 48 years going through it. Like I have, like they can get to this in a couple of years and change this world. Cause I really think that's what's, what's going on right now. See now I sound a woo woo. I can go. Nope. There. <laughs> so, on the woo -woo, this is perfect. <laughs>
Well, and I think it is that balance. Like I, I didn't know that I was intuitive when I was younger. I just, I actually spent a lot of time by myself because I grew up on a farm. So we had big yes. open spaces and we didn't have TV, you know, so we, it was just going outdoors and being creative and going, you know, I, I created forts, even my nieces and nephews now, they're, my, my fort remnants is still there. And they're like, I went and saw Auntie Dixie's fort and I added Aww. to it, you know, and it's just like, here it is, like, you know, 20, 30 years later. Um, and, you know, it's just that those memories are there. But I spent tons of time being by myself as a kid, roaming down in the fields and in the coulee and hanging out with nature. So, you know, that's what I do now as an adult is, you know, I take people into nature and to help them connect with themselves because I've done that my whole life where that's where I find my, my deeper inner connection is in the quietude, right? And a lot of people are afraid of that. They're afraid of what they're going to see and afraid of what they're going to hear. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think, and children too, like I see it in my nieces and nephews and, you know, they're just so, and, and my friend's kids as well, you know, they're just so present and they're so beautiful to, um, they see, they just, they just cut through it and just see what they need to see. And, and as we age, you know, we have these lenses or, or shadows that we kind of keep, or cloaks that we keep putting on so that we can't see the truth. And then these little beings are so sweet and genuine, they just see the truth. And they call it out. Totally. And I think it's funny because like we, we come into the world alone and we leave the world alone. But it seems that when we're here, we're just terrified of being alone. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, you know, and we're not shown. God, I can really get into this. I'm trying, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole. But, you know, we are born and conditioned through, you know, our education system, our political system, our government system, our financial system. Like, everything is the program. It's just all put on us and imposed. And, you know, and then you add the layers on top of that, you know, like religion and beliefs and customs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So this kid that's just born alone and is fine being alone with no fear has all this stuff piled onto them. Them. and then they have to kind of grow up through it without any guidance other than what they keep being told and it's finally when they get to the age where you know they're able to ask questions um and then they're wondering and so it's almost like they're reborn and growing again it's like hang on a minute all this stuff i was told why is it i don't feel that way you know and whether it's to do with who they are or, or what the family have told them or whether it's their sexuality whether it's their gender whether it's whether they feel that, that, you know, marriage is anything they want to have or not, it's an institution or they just want to be free or they just want to be, you know, there's, there's so many things. And so you kind of, if you don't figure that out and realize that that is just a natural part of unknowing, letting go, it can really mess with you, like really mess with you. I think that's why there's so many messed up people in the world because we're all just so lost. And we're just connecting with more lost people and creating more craziness and reproducing and still, you know, and it's the world I believe is going through a huge, huge shift. And I, and I think it's, it's just weeding out all of the crap and getting people to relook at themselves and, and figure out what's important. And, uh, and I do think, like you said, like a lot of these kids, I, I think that's that, you know, I read all these things about indigo kids and stuff like that. I, I believe, I do think I'm one of those. And I think that my kids have definitely come out being, you know, you are, you're definitely in you. like that. <laughs> I'm like, that's my, I think I'm just there to guide them. Uh, mm -hmm. I really do. Um, 
you know, so if I can help them do that, then, then that's awful, but awful, awesome. <laughs> I think so many things that are going on in the world right now is a, um, is a reaction to all of that. So, so, and, and we talked, you know, we've kind of gone through a few different aspects. So do you believe that spirituality and business can go together? Do you believe that they, they serve a purpose within each other? Absolutely. I think it's important to define what you think spirituality is. Because mm -hmm. I think everybody, it's like if you mention the word God, it, it, people will have a reaction to that instantly. Uh, I know I did vehemently. <laughs> My reaction, you know, I, I'm not, I always just walk around saying I'm an atheist uh, because uh, I was just anti, it wasn't anti-God, it was anti-religion and anti the dogma of religion. I can align with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't make that, I couldn't make that um, that distinction before and since I've really, I'm really fascinated by religion and I've gone in and learned a lot about lots of different mm -hmm. religions. Am I religious? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not about that, it's not a belief that, I do believe there's something bigger than us Mm -hmm. I struggle to use the word God for it because to me, God just conjures up an image of a man with a white beard and a white dress or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I can't, you know, I can't align with that. But I definitely, definitely think that there is, um, there is, there is a presence. There is something that we are all part of and, and I understand godly things, you know? So, um, so in that being spiritual to me is just believing that there is something else bigger at work and that you can be, you know, intuitive. You can, if you listen and I think we are completely equipped all of us as human beings to be way more powerful than we are. I think I remember saying this to my dad when I was about six years old, I was obsessed with, uh, books and science fiction about telekinesis and um mind reading and all of the <laughs> psychic and i was i knew because i saw things and, and but i couldn't explain it and, and everyone thought i was being stupid and i had experiences that when i look back on that now i'm like i was totally channeling something and I, but everyone just thought i was crazy and so i never talked about it but it's there and i think we all have that it's just that we shut we shut all of it down because society doesn't allow us to they don't they whoever's ruling the world doesn't want us to be powerful because we're much easy to be controlled when we're you know all fearful and all as one you know it's very much easier to control that if you've got all these people that are in control then you've got ultimate freedom you know control of themselves so for me it's just all about you know if you empower people to think freely and they still choose to be with you and they still choose to align with you that is so much more fulfilling than trying to control groups of people. And so when you ask me about business, um, I'm looking at spirituality and are you connected to yourself? Do you think for yourself? Do you act for yourself? And are you choosing to do all of that within the environment that we are growing here? Because if you are, this is going to become a really, really powerful company and a really powerful environment to work in. Um, if you can create freedom, and everybody's choosing to follow the rules or choosing to come together and create things within your business, then you can't fail. And that's the thing. So many people are scared. They want to rule by, you know, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You've got to sign in the time clock. And all it's doing is just forcing people to be smaller. And I think if you force people to be bigger, you become more productive. If you look at the most successful companies in the world, they're encouraging their staff to be free thinkers and to be um, innovative and to use their ideas. And it's the same in a relationship. You know, if you try and, you know, say to your partner, you can't do this, you can't do that. I mean, 
you might as well be a prisoner. But it was like, I don't, you can do whatever you want. I want you to be you, I want you to be free. I'm gonna love you anyway. Um, but these are the things that would really hurt me if you did it, but it's your choice, you know, whether you choose to do that or not. And, and if they love you, they won't do those things. And you don't have to pressure them. They get to treat you like a million bucks and everybody's happy. Right. So it's, it's taking that, it's a fear thing. It's definitely a fear thing. If you can get past that, I think it's vital to have spirituality in the work workplace. Awesome. I did too. And I think too, in, in this time, we're going to see businesses very, very different as we emerge back into the workforce and we're being called to reevaluate and look at how can we, how can we build more sustainable businesses? I think that this is a big, a big wake up call for everybody, right? So what is sustainable? What's not sustainable? But it is about, to me, it's about working in alignment. It's working with intuition. It's making those decisions from those aligned, you know, purposeful actions or inspired or, you know, the spark of inspiration acting on it um, and bringing it into fruition. We're in a very powerful time of dreaming and then just bringing it into action. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of big changes as we, as we all emerge back into the, into the work world. I think you bring up a good point. I mean, just think about it before we had to work at home. Uh, businesses in general were all about, no, we don't let people work from home. How do we know they're not working? Why should we pay them for sitting at home and watching TV? And guess who's keeping your business afloat right now? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's the people that are working at home because <laughs> they want to keep working and they want to help your business. And sure, they were watching TV and having snacks and not wearing pants. But guess what? <laughs> They're still creating an income for you. And so I think when they realize that now, now people are going to be like, oh, like maybe this isn't such a bad thing. We should allow people to be with their families. We should allow people to be more creative and productive and so on. And then, you know, less, less overheads for us. We don't have to have such a big workplace or, you know, you can, there's cost savings involved in that. And, you know, it will evolve. It will, will change things. And I think, you know, when people are at home more, then they have more desire to get out of the home. So guess what that means? Oh, now people are exercising, <laughs> going out for walks, they're socializing. I think it's really interesting to see what's happened. Because mm -hmm. normally we just run away from work and go home and watch TV and get away from everything. But now we're in there all the time. Everybody wants to go out. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, it's going to be very, very different. That's for sure. Well, thank <laughs> you so much for our time together. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Um, do you have anything else that you'd like to add or anything else you'd like to share? Uh, do you have, um, I sent you some slides. I was just going to give something just for people to think about. It's just a quick five minute thing. <laughs> it's just something I want people to consider. Um, let me go here. Yep. Go ahead. Yep. You, I'm still on the index page. Is it showing up on the screen? Uh, yeah, it's, it's on the screen here. Okay. All right. Oh, so is <laughs> um, you're the one in control of the broadcast. So if I you can, yeah. let me, this is, I'm still, I might still be showing, sorry, let me just stop share here. Um, there we go. Okay. Can you see that one now? Ah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> So this is just a really simple illustration. So when you are uh, triggered and stressed and thinking about all of these uh, things, sorry, my dog started barking. <laughs> oh God, shh, talking. <laughs> um, 
this is you floating around in your bubble. So this would be akin to when you're born or maybe when you wake up in the morning and you've just become recovered from a nice deep sleep. Yeah, you're in your zen, right? Before anything has got to you. Mm-hmm. This is you in your bubble, all right? So everything in your bubble is just perfect. You're just floating, there's nothing there. And then if we go to the second one, This is how I get out of my stress. So you're in your bubble and all the stuff around you is just all the stress of life. It's everything. It's people's comments, thoughts, feelings, sounds, noises, things you see, hear, touch, feel, smell, all of it. It's all there. And it's not your doing. It just is. Um, And that when I'm in a place where I'm really triggered by something, my first words out of my head is, it just is. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I can do to control all of this. What I can control is my bubble here right now. My bubble is what I have. That's in my control. If I just go to the next slide. Everything that was on the outside doesn't have to come into my bubble unless I choose it. Because when things do come into my bubble, this is what I'm left with. This is my reality. <laughs> I'm now dealing with all of this stuff that I think is my life. And so I just wanted to put it in a visual. It's, it's not what happens, it's your thoughts about what happens that become your reality. So if you're looking around and your life's just a piece of crap, you can't be blaming everybody else outside of that. It's, it's what you've created. Uh, and, and that may not be by choice. Um, and it may not have been a conscious thing, but it's about, you, you've got to think of yourself in this bubble and you choosing to let things inside or outside of it. And uh, you've created that reality. You also have the power to change that reality. And because your reality is just your thoughts. It's only you that can change your thoughts. Mm, that's so powerful. I love that. You're right. It's only you that can change your thoughts. And we do have the power to shift our reality. Thank you for that. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think, you know, going back to even just when you started, um, you know, I think one of my biggest takeaways is, you know, the most flexible people win. <laughs> And I think it's being flexible with ourselves, being flexible in change, being able to um, be flexible in navigating this new world, you know, is definitely learning to win. So practicing flexibility. Sure. I mean, the other thing is just, you know, (laughs) whenever you're having a problem, do you notice that you're always there? Yeah. (laughs) I always use that one all the time. (laughs) (laughs) right it's like we're, we're so used you know we point fingers out and yet you always say right there's three pointing back at you so take right. a look at you know <laughs> what part of the problem are you right <laughs> so thank you so much Chrissy I so enjoy our time together I always love our conversations and we kind of dive in and out and go all over the place but I think it's uh lots of just definitely some juicy nuggets from today I so appreciate you so Thanks. you can connect with Kirsty. Sorry, <laughs> you can connect with Kirsty through the link I'm going to put below in the show notes, and I can always let, um, 
I can't wait to, you know, um, see you again soon. So to our viewers, thanks for watching. I hope you found some value and I would love to invite you to continue the conversation. Post in the comments below what inspired you and please share it out to your community so we can continue to bring hope, light, and love to the world. And until next time, abundant love to you all. Thank you so much.